Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolutionary.org hardcore podcast coming your way. Today we're doing Derek Lunsford, Steve Schmee, and the mobster joining me, my loyal co-host. What's up, buddy? How you doing? It's wet, it's windy here in the UK, but that never stops. Hardcore carries on. It's hit it. Yes. Good morning to all our UK friends and our American friends and all over the world that listen to this podcast. We have 65 different countries that listen to this podcast. So we love all of you. So Derek Lutzford, really good guy, um, very humble guy. We're going to talk a little bit about him. He is the current 2021 Mr. Olympia men's division champion, 212 weight class. He won it outright in impressive fashion. As a professional bodybuilder, he is on his way up. He's a rising star. And he's not even 30 years old yet. Peak stats, five foot six, 212 pounds and under 4% body fat. So we expect great things out of this guy. The next few years, we'll see if he can defend his championship. So in this article, we're going to talk about his incredible journey, his humble roots, and his steroid cycle. So let's start with his early life to start things off. Boring small town is how I would describe where he's from. It's a small town in Indiana called Petersburg in the Midwest. Sounds like a place with a bunch of cornfields and nothing really to do. Maybe there's a Walmart you can hang out at and there's a movie theater that the young people go to. So other than that, luckily there's sports. And when you have all that, that land, Soccer is the sport of choice. So soccer is a popular sport in some of these parts of the country. He was really good at it. Also with his height, being only five foot six and being able to be in, um, you know, weight class type of sport. Wrestling is another thing that us shorter guys are really, really good at. You tall dudes like you mobster aren't as good because it is by weight class. So we have the advantage being shorter. And he was very good on it. In high school, he focused on wrestling. That was his main sport. Once he got to college, unfortunately, he had no wrestling program. So he fought, he switched over to weight training. And unlike other bodybuilders we have talked about, Derek actually didn't have instant gratification from his weight training because he didn't know how to train or diet He didn't have a coach to teach him this stuff. But over time, through trial and error and patience and guidance from the more experienced bodybuilders, he was able to learn how to do it. At the time, his role models were Mr. Olympia champions, Jay Cutler and Phil Heath, who were dominating the sport. He also wanted to be like them and pursued bodybuilding with 100% of his effort. So he had high dreams to one day follow on their footsteps 
So before we get into early competitions, what are your thoughts so far, Mobster? Anything you want to add? Yeah, I think, like you said already, is is come come at a different angle because ninety percent, if not more, of the uh, people we do this podcast on are freaks of nature, and uh, Derek is kind of growing into a freak. So photographs I've seen of him recently, especially with the, and we'll get into the training in a minute, the coaching that he's had with uh, Hanny Rambod, uh, he's starting to turn into a freak, an aesthetic freak, but a freak nevertheless. But he's definitely taken a slightly different journey here in terms of, you know, not, not being a genetic abnormality when he was at school or at college, uh, having to learn the hard way, which in its way, actually, Steve, is a really good thing. I mean, it's just a thing that sometimes I think we, we, we make the mistake with following genetic freaks in that genetic freaks, for the most part, will respond to pretty much every kind of training there is. Uh, you, you hear some of them talking about, I only have to think about lifting a dumbbell and my, my arms will pump up. That's the kind of response that these guys have. Derek, on the other hand, has had to learn uh, almost like old school bodybuilding where you tried stuff and you saw whether it works or not. And you learned if you tweaked it this way, if you tweaked it that way, you got a better contraction. Now, in his way, that's actually more typical of your average bodybuilder. So, guys, if you're following uh, bodybuilders, I always recommend you follow someone who's got a similar build to yours, whether that's height or bone structure or, or whatever, whether it's weightlifting or bodybuilding. Here's Derek. Derek would be a good example of someone who had to learn, and this is something you can do the same. You can say, right, what does Derek do? How did he learn to do the exercise? How, how did that one add muscle to his and if that works for him and he had to learn maybe I, I could do the same thing and that's a great way to learn the sport obviously working with a coach or an experienced athlete training partner wherever else helps a lot but you learning about what makes you tick is a great way to get into the sport back to you Steve all right so let's talk about his early competitions 22 years old, he competed at the 2015 NPC Indianapolis Championships in the open welterweight division. He won. The next two years, he won NPC Juniors and finished runner-up at NPC USAs. He took some time off to improve his physique. We see that a lot with guys. They'll take some time off, reset the brain, try something different to take two steps forward. Sometimes you have to take a step back, take two steps forward. Okay. It's not a linear transgression where it completely keeps going up forever. So it worked for him. He earned his pro card a year later and he was ready to take things to another level. I just want to jump in here, Steve. Something that you notice uh, with some athletes is they compete too much. And I think looking at this very quickly, him competing to win, to place in those competitions, some of which we probably aren't aware of, he needed that time off from competing to grow. Now, now again, he's a, he's a smaller frame guy. He's only 212. So smashing into his recovery, not allowing himself to grow, and then having that time off, that's probably what helped him take that step up to, to gain the pro card. Back to you. All right. So pro competition, let's get into that. 2017 IFBB Tampa Pro, he easily won the 212 division. This granted him an invite to Mr. Olympia later that year. He finished in fifth place. The next two years, he finished second at Mr. Olympia 212 division, fifth place in 2019, and second place in 2020. And then in 2021, he won 
Mr. Olympia 212 division title, as I mentioned earlier. So he is currently the reigning defending champion. So we'll see in 2022 if he can continue his run. So during his run, he did something odd that we haven't seen other bodybuilders do, which is not compete in a bunch of contests. So I'll bring you in, Mobster, to kind of talk about that. The interesting thing is he specifically was targeting Mr. Olympia, which is, you know, it's like the Super Bowl of bodybuilding. It's the big, big kahuna. It's like the World Cup of soccer. But he wouldn't compete in other competitions. So there's some, you know, murmurs out there with guys who have an issue with that. So I'm curious to bring you in, Mobster, and talk a little bit about that. What are your thoughts on that as someone who – competes in uh in powerlifting what are your thoughts on that just skipping I, some of the smaller I, ones. I i never had to qualify and this is the issue here again as i just said a few minutes ago the idea of not look i've done four competitions in a year in my particular strength sport and that just about washed me out i know guys again that even i've competed against that have done 12 sometimes as many as 16 competitions they'll do challenges for the year that doesn't work for me ideally for me and I've said I've never had to qualify because we never had that many competitions that I had to qualify for the big one. Doing one competition and all-out peaking for that worked for me. And I can see that this would work for the Olympia. Um, obviously, I have to be strong enough to do those things. And when I was doing it, competing like that, I was winning. So it worked for me. I can see, again, this is one of those things that how hard you train, how stressed your body is. So you've got that element of it. And again, I touched on it a few minutes ago when I say, right, so he takes time out from competing to try and get his pro card, takes a year, doesn't compete, comes back, and he's ready. He wins and he gets his pro card. So he must, like we've just talked about, he's kind of analysing and he's saying, right, if I compete more than I need to just to get my face out there, sometimes guys do this because the sponsors require them to do so. Sometimes they have to compete more than they'd like to because they haven't amassed enough qualifying points and then we've seen that with Roly Winkler recently we're going okay this guy's trying to he's done three four competitions he had that whole COVID issue getting in his way and his physique just hasn't looked how it's looked before just a couple of years ago and it's not because he's that much older he's still in his peak in terms of his age so you've got that um as I said the qualifying thing is a pain in the ass for some guys if you, you really you kind of almost need to peak twice in a year you need to come out almost Mr. Olympia ready and hope that no one else is in the same kind of condition and you win and you get the qualifier and you go and that's it. That's great. Otherwise, you're grabbing points here and there and that is not a way to do it. That might, for some guys, that might mean six competitions, typically four competitions. And trust me, the way that Steve and I have done this, all of the evolutionary podcasts, when we talk about, as we will get into in a few minutes, PEDs and the higher level of PEDs that pros are taking, that would require you to be on longer at higher levels, which is stressful on the body. Your training depleted, low body fat, et cetera, and you're staying in that condition, which is amazing as it looks, is not something you want to do while you're on high PEDs. And again, if you haven't qualified, you're talking about traveling. But at the same token, if it fucking works and you can do it, and as Derek did, you win then what the fuck? The rest of the guys can moan, they can groan, they can say, I oh, didn't like it. Oh, why can't I do what Derek does? Well, Derek won and you didn't. It's as simple as that. He came, he kicked ass, he went home with the trophy. So Derek has done what worked for him, 
what the rules say he can do. And regardless of what I think of him as a person, which we'll get into also, you see him on stage and you go, there's a different kind of a Zeke with the vacuum, the, the, the width, the muscle. And even as I said to you just a few minutes ago, again, the, the, the improvements working with Hanny and the FST type training, which we'll get into. He, 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 the photographs I have seen on Instagram, if we're not seeing anything on YouTube, he's looking different. He's looking bigger. He's looking more muscular. So long as he qualifies and comes in at the right weight, I can't see him being out of the top two against Steve. Back to you. Yes, sir. So let's talk about his social media a little bit. Okay. He's got 400,000 followers on Instagram and growing. He's got a lot of photos, workout videos, and product marketing. Says he's an Evagen elite athlete. I think Hadi Chupan is also. Yes, that's Hadi Rembrandt's company. Yeah. So um, he's got a YouTube channel, uh, prepping videos. Also, some has some cool vlogs of his shopping and training. Pretty standard. Uh, the interesting thing that Mopser uh, brought to my attention on the pre-show about his YouTube. So talk a little bit about his YouTube and what, what's going on with well, that. It, the social media aspect completely, Steve. I suspect, my gut feeling, especially with the numbers that we've just talked about, I think he's concentrating on Instagram, which is kind of a shame. Uh, when we talk about the social media on his podcast, and this is advice for guys that might be up and coming, that are looking to make a name for themselves or certainly earn a living from the sport, we talk about how you need to be deal with sponsors. Uh, I just said about sometimes you have to compete more than you'd like to because the sponsor says so and so on. Social media is right up there. Even for you guys that don't compete. In fact, in this podcast, we've addressed athletes that don't compete and still do incredibly well. The one that we just recorded, uh, Carly Muscle, he's competed maybe once winning his class, but for the most part, he makes all his money from being really, really good on social media. And what I noticed, especially in the pre-show research, is Derek, as you just said, 400,000 followers, photographs, videos, bits and pieces going on on Instagram. But he was quite active pre-Mr. Olympia on YouTube, putting out videos of his training, putting out videos literally of the day of the competition, people talking about what it was like on stage, shots in his house, in his flat, the food he was eating, etc. And then since the Mr. Olympia, nothing. Now, the pre-show with Steve, he talks about how some athletes have time off. Uh, you do the Mystery Olympia, as I said earlier, it's incredibly stressful, especially the performance-enhancing drugs again. And we know, for example, that both Dexter Jackson and Ronnie Coleman typically took up to three months off when they were competing in the Mr. Olympia competitions right after the Olympia. And they would come off, in their words, all supplements, and they would make family time. I think Dexter's got photographs of him on a, a cruise, I think uh, Ronnie did the same, take the family away, spend a lot of time with them on holiday, forget about training, forget about having to push the food, and forget about having to do the performance and ounce of drugs and just chill the fuck out and come back refreshed and ready to kick ass in the gym and having that length of time that's going to make you hungry. Now, I don't know what Derek's doing. I, I don't. I don't follow him on Instagram, unfortunately. And for the research for the show, I checked out the videos and literally you have a bunch of videos, training here, there, and everywhere, doing all the things you'd expect him to do, and then the one of the day of the competition, people congratulating him after the show, and then that's it, Steve. Now, guys, that might be what he's doing, and I don't know why. Maybe he's not being forced to do it by sponsors or whatever else, but if you are on social media, if you do coach people, if you are trying to make a living from social media, from Instagram, from Facebook, and whatever else, i got to tell you, 
you got to put something up, even if it is you chilling out, even if it is you on holiday, even if it is you having family time, a few minutes, because people that follow you will blow hot and cold. Where's your videos? Why haven't you posted for ages? Why am I following this guy? If we can't be bothered to, you know, put something out there for the fans. So that's not necessarily a knock on Derek. Maybe, you know, people, he just sees it as a business decision and, Instagram gets him a better return for five minutes work or whatever else. And maybe it's just a pain in the ass editing all these videos for YouTube or whatever. I don't know. But if you are going to do social media, you almost need to be on several platforms. And if you are doing that, you need to post stuff. You need to be putting stuff out there. People will follow you. As an example, why if I watched him on YouTube, would I want to watch the same video on Instagram? I wouldn't. So there's stuff like that. So it's one of those advice for our followers, advice for our listeners. Guys, pick one, pick two, but be active, even if it's you in the off-season, chilling out, getting over injuries, getting massages, getting physio, working on business stuff, showing people what it's like, dealing with sponsors. Five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. That's all you need to do. You just put a little video stuff out there for people and say, you know, I'm having time off at the gym. Me and the girlfriend are going out. I'm having time off in the gym. I'm seeing my family. I'm having time off the gym. I'm eating well for Thanksgiving. It's you got to do stuff. It's something you a few minutes a day, a few minutes a day. Put it together over, you know, put that together for a week's worth. Post a video a week, 20, 30 minutes tops, made up of the week. And uh, you'll keep the followers. You'll, you won't lose people that drift away. It's like one of those TV programs, Steve, that we're absolutely going crazy for. We're into it and everything else. And then the end of the series comes around. We want the next series to start straight away. And you could have 20 million viewers. And if you don't have that thing ready to go, then you could lose 4 million. People are fickle. That's how it is. It's also good business sense. Yeah, back to you again. Yeah, it could be marketing, you know, marketing company. He could have fired his marketing company, might be hiring a new one. Could be maybe uh, the marketing company just quit and he's, you know, he's got to get on it. So there's marketing companies that specialize in this, guys. I mean, you don't yeah. really think that these guys actually do this stuff on their own. No, they hire people. Yeah. So they have their own they have their own tech person and, and their own uh, marketing person, and it makes a huge difference. Marketing is runs the world. Uh, you go to a sporting event, there's marketing everywhere. There's advertising everywhere. You watch, you watch TV, there's marketing everywhere. So marketing runs the world for sure. It makes a huge difference. Very quick, sorry, just jump in here very quickly, Steve. Something I've said that happens with uh, a lot of the top pros, and I'm thinking specifically of guys that are especially active on YouTube, like Larry Wills, for example. My understanding that Larry, and this would probably be typical of other athletes because it makes sense, right, is you get a really good videographer slash editor, and this guy follows you around with a camera, and he records your workouts. Now, you, you of course, play up to the camera, you talk to your followers, you bring guys in, you do collaborations and so on and so forth, right? Now, Larry has his PR business, which is the, the straps, the wraps, the belts, all that kind of stuff. And my understanding of how Larry works, it was that he brings in this fella, the fella follows him around, does the filming, does the editing, and he gets all of the money that YouTube makes, or all of the money that is specifically for the adverts that are associated with your video on YouTube. Now, if you've got a million followers and you get a million views, you're looking at $1,000. That used to be the case. It might be slightly less now. Larry's got multiple million of followers, six, seven million followers, whatever it is, right? So 
that the videographer could earn two grand, three grand, four grand a month. And essentially, by giving them all of the money that you get from YouTube, for example, they are motivated to do the best videography. They are motivated to edit extremely well. They are motivated to tag the best and put together the best production of video that they possibly can to go up on YouTube. Now, what Larry gets, of course, is he gets all those sales of PR equipment, which is wearing in the videos, is wearing PR clothing, he's got a PR belt on, his buddies are wearing PR straps, wraps, elbows, what sleeves, whatever else. And that produces him, because it's his company, even if someone's putting that stuff together, he's, he's got a vested interest and he's getting a percentage of the profit from that, which is a darn sight more than a few a few cents per thousand or or thousand dollars a month when you're a top level athlete you're going to be spending a lot more than that you're going to be spending that much money on food every month so a thousand dollars a month from youtube would not be enough it's how that stuff works so as, as steve said if it's a marketing company for example same principle applies the marketing company comes in takes over all your social media and smashes the granny out they do a really really good job of tagging linking editing making you look amazing and then you or your sponsor benefits by virtue of the views because there's product placement subtle or obvious if you for example uh i'm thinking of uh, sergio livia jr with his he's got a, a supplement company also sells a lot of t-shirts and so of course it's in his interest to wear a t-shirt from his company every time he puts a video out there and if it's a new t-shirt that no one's got Hell, he'll sell three, four hundred of those T-shirts within the first few hours of the video going live. That's business. So here's what we're saying. And again, if you're doing that kind of stuff, you will say, why is Derek not doing it? Maybe he sees that the value of Instagram is an easy thing for him to do and produces money quicker and a result quicker. I can put a video up. I can take a photograph down. I can do whatever. Boom. I've sold this many products. Why, why the hell? It's much more work perhaps for him to put something together for YouTube. Maybe that's the situation. Maybe, as Steve said, it's a company thing where guys, if you start to become popular on Instagram, for example, you will get people DMing you that want to do a collaboration with business, with clothing and stuff like that. Hell, I've had that, and I'm nowhere near that big on Instagram. So that's how it works. It's business. And that's why I say to, it's, it's strange in my mind not seeing him posting when he had those videos for months out, the day of the competition, the evening show, everything. And then literally the next day, nothing for three months. That's just kind of weird, Steve. So there you go, guys. You need to be active. You need to understand that it works. You can't just post a video of you curling weights and think that someone's going to send you money in the post. It don't work like that. It's, it, there's work to be done. And that's why these companies do it for you. Or the videographer, it gets a percentage, a big percentage of the money that's generated because then that makes him hungry to make you look good and produce a, a, a professional product and that's how the sponsors are going to get, get business. And if you sell stuff yourself, that's how you're going to get business, Steve. So let's talk about his nutrition a little bit. And Mobster is going to get into his training. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he grew up in the Midwest. Uh, Midwest isn't known for the most healthy lifestyle. So, you know, he didn't get, he didn't get proper nutrition, really, uh, as a teenager. And that's, that's why he wasn't able to have success in bodybuilding. But, you know, he's cleaned up his diet quite a bit, obviously. And he's been able to take things to another level just by switching what he's eating. So favorite foods, fish, eggs, chicken, raw nuts, coconut oil, rice, and vegetables. In the off season, he will mess around with cheese, almond butter, and yogurt. There is 
videos of him shopping um, while bulking in the off season. I think he's shopping with his girlfriend or, or, or someone and they're having a good time shopping. I, you know, it's one of these things. People love videos like that. They love watching a dude just screwing around, you know, at the grocery store and, and buying a bunch of food. That seems to be something that a lot of guys like to watch. Um, I think it can be fun. I think grocery shopping is fun. I personally love it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do. I tend to have a little bit of a joke and a muck about in a supermarket with the girlfriend. My favorite thing, Steve, it's just stupid stuff. And I think it's part of that real life. It means maybe it's what the followers do for themselves. So it feels like he's doing the same shit that you guys do. And one of the stupid things is I'll, I'll pretend like I'm going to buy something that I know she thinks is awful. And I'll be like, I should get this. And I'll put it in my trolley or my basket. And she's like, put that back. And it's just goofing around. When she's up at the counter getting her stuff or whatever, I'll be the one down the bottom going, charge her double, and all this kind of stuff, just goofing around. So it's real life. It's out there. It, and I think maybe, as you say, it's one of those things, it, people are, are astounded. And we talk about nutrition on the forums all the time. What do you think bodybuilders eat? They eat healthy shit. They eat health, I'm going to say healthy shit. They eat good, healthy food. So why it's shocking that they're eating eggs and chicken breast and bags of rice? God only knows. It's because the followers perhaps want to see that they're not eating as well as they should be and therefore the follower thinks they can get away with doing that no guys you got to eat well to grow well and the, all the pds in the universe ain't going to work if you're eating shit or if you're going to deli all the time and stuff like that we get we get this all the time steve so the popularity another thing we've seen on, on other podcasts and videos is the other people in the supermarket's response to this freak of nature with veins and split head biceps and delts popping out from their T-shirt and whatever else. So, I mean, you know, uh, Marcus Rule is a good example. One of his most popular videos is him in like a vest top, 300 plus pounds with his girlfriend who was a bodybuilder and the two of them walking around in tight clothing in the supermarket. And, and the, the, the camera is on the face of like many, many shots. Oh my God who the hell is this walking around amongst us kind of stuff. So there's probably an element of that. And perhaps the guys, again, the followers, you know, if I've got a little bit of bicep and tricep, I'm going to wear my tight t-shirt. I'm going to walk around the supermarket. Let's see what people do. So there's probably an element of that aspect too, which is fun again. It's just us goofing around and whatever. So it's not going to be taken seriously. It's And it's great for the ego, I guess. Is that as well, Steve? Yeah, as you can imagine, I'm pretty annoying to shop with. I'm always like, oh, that's, not, that's not healthy. That's not healthy. No, that's got this in it. So I drive, I'm driving girls crazy over the years. Uh, definitely don't want to shop with me. I'm, I'm a pain in the ass. So, Mobster, get into his training and, and give us some of your opinion. About, okay, so uh, about training, this guy, yeah. yeah, training, especially as in his last two years or so, in the article, Steve addresses the training up to this point. And then in the last 18 months, two years, pre the winning this year's Mr. Olympia, he started to work with Hanny Rambod. Now, Hanny, of course, is owner of Evergen, but he's also famous for the FST7, which I'll address very quickly now in, in, in detail. as a fascia stretch training, and the seven part refers to the seven sets on the final exercise of a targeted body part. Now, Hanny addresses the idea that your fascia stretching it's not new. He, he refers to Dante Trudel and he refers to John Perillo. Now, me with John Perillo, I think I've got one of John's books upstairs. And, and John's idea was that you'll pump up and then stretch. So I think the photograph on the cover of one of the, John's books was uh, Tom Platt's 
with uh, John assisting him into some crazy stretch position for his hamstrings, head right down between his knees, etc. And the idea of that is that uh, fascia can get tight. Uh, we build up scar tissue in our muscles. We build up even scar tissue on the fascia. And in order sometimes for us to grow, you need to sort of reset your base level. So let's imagine for argument's sake that I was 200 pounds, Stephen. My arm, my arm was say 16 inches. And I could pump, 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 but it won't go past 16 inches. I put on a few pounds, but it's not going on my arm. What's going wrong here? So the other suggestion is that you stretch your bicep, you stretch your tricep, you do a bunch of massaging, you pump up, you carb, you add, put some carbs into your system, you do everything that's there for the pump. And then as you're pumped, at that moment is you massage the muscle, you stretch the muscle in its pump position. And that was kind of Perillo's thing. Dante did it where you rotate different exercises throughout the whole thing. And then you've got uh, Honey's thing is that we, I've seen pictures of him, videos in fact, with Derek and others training them. And he gets you into the perfect position, say for example, incline uh, bench. And he says, no, no, I want you to keep that muscle under contraction, slow the movement down, all good solid coaching stuff. And then he puts in those seven sets. He's, and it's a way of pumping that muscle up as much as it possibly can. The thing that he does, which is slightly different, a pump set quite often can be light. And he says, no, I want you to do a heavy-ish heavy -ish weight. You will need to be able to get eight reps, if not more. But eight reps is kind of where, you know, the muscle growing is happening, Steve, at the same time as staying on that and pumping the muscle and keeping blood in there. And, of course, the perfect position, for example, I don't know, flies, inclined flies would be a good example, lifting the chest high dropping it down so you're getting that stretch without dislocating your shoulders and really opening the chest up and having that muscle full and pumped and stretched in that position and then staying there for a few minutes with those seven sets. So that's that's what's happened. And as I said earlier on, Steve, I've seen photographs on Instagram that have come up and whether they, I'm hoping these are post-Mr. Olympia, he's looking like he's gone to another level. And certainly in terms of the quality of physique, that he presented at the Mr. Olympia, it was sufficient. So what he's done with Hanny, working as an Evergen athlete, for taking certain products pre-training, and then having someone like Hanny, if you watch what Hanny does, Hanny's a real friendly, nice guy, will coach you perfectly well, but he doesn't let you get away with shit. And if we, all the top coaches that Steve and I and our followers, listeners will know, is that Milo Sar, seven others, they're nice guys, but they don't let you take it easy. They're nice guys, but they're, they're not letting you slack off. You know, so they'll, they'll be stripping weights off to keep you in pain. They'll be stripping, they're putting weights on, moving you around, keeping you where it needs to be, et cetera, et cetera. Something else which I noticed in one of the videos, he did a collaboration with Hunter Labrador and Hunter's uh, partner, his girlfriend. And the, the Derek was talking about an elbow issue that he was having doing certain particular bicep exercises, uh, I'm thinking of the preacher bench in the video that I saw, where if he did this kind of exercise, this particular kind of way that he was doing, he was getting elbow problems, he couldn't do the way that he wanted to, and whatever else, and Hunter said he takes advice, takes training, coaching very well, which is another bonus in terms of your training, if you are working with a coach like Hanny, that you listen to the coach, you do what they tell you to do, and in Hanny's case, with Hunter, of course, as well, they are... Uh, in Hunter's case, he was putting him into a position where he could do the exercise. He, he didn't have the elbow problem, or if he did, it was much less than normal. And 
he was able to get it. And the video with Hunter, for example, off-season, both of them had that carved up, I think the phrase is full as fuck look, with real big bloated muscles, full of veins, full of blood. And uh, yeah, they weren't doing crazy, crazy weight, Steve, but my God, that both of them look the size of a house. You wouldn't think that Derek competed as a 212 looking at this video. Hunter's a much bigger bodybuilder in terms of the open, and yet Derek looked the same kind of size, and they're both of them looking bloated and full of blood and pumped to hell on that particular video, and that was just for arms. But one of the things, again, Steve Steve does some of this advisory stuff. I do some of the coaching things. We've worked with athletes before. You, you want, providing you know your shit, you want an athlete that's going to pay attention to what you're doing and work with you to get the best out of them. And I think this is where Derek has plugged in with Hanny and takes coaching advice, does what he's told, and the results are there for you to see, Steve. You, you this, So that is as simple as that. The fascia stretch training, guys, give it a try. Uh, pump up, do what you got to do, and, 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 and manipulate the muscle afterwards. Literally, for example, you're training biceps. You can grab hold of it if I was training my right arm, my right bicep. I can grab hold of it my left with my hand and squeeze and stretch the muscle. There are exercises and, and, and movements I can do to stretch the bicep. Doing that when you're pumped is kind of painful, but it's the argument is that you stretch the fascia, you're giving the fibers and blood and the water in the glycogen something to grow into that vacated space that you created. And that's part of growing. Uh, and again, as I say, you even get scar tissue. So, for example, one of the reasons why we see top pros, not just for physio and rehab, but also because it helps them grow. And that's the reason why they're getting weekly, if not more often than that, uh, massages, Steve, to, to get bigger. And along with the gear, I mean, a good example again would be Ronnie Common, seeing him getting massaged and the difference between him when he qualified and become Mr. Olympia and what he was, the size that he got up to. And you've got videos of him doing manicures, pedicures and getting massage, uh, deep tissue stuff. Jay Cutler, deep tissue, and a bunch of other bodybuilders, a bunch of strength strength athletes, deep tissue. So rehab, physio, but also making and creating room to grow, Steve. Back to you. Yeah, so I'm curious to hear your opinions about Derek Lunsford. Um, one of the things I haven't mentioned on the podcast so far is that I interviewed Derek Lunsford. And uh, I interviewed him on the evolutionary.org podcast uh, a couple years back. So, and one of the things I noticed with him, very, very humble guy, um, comes across as, as very nice, very friendly. Uh, one of the things I noticed, he wasn't cocky. He wasn't too much into himself. So maybe it's those Midwest roots that, you know, we notice when it comes to, to him. Um, another thing too, you know, that's, that's cool as a social media. It's not a bunch of Lamborghinis, a bunch of paid women, you know, flashy things. He's not a flashy guy. So for me, it makes it easy for me to cheer for him. And, you know, he's, he's a good guy. He, he's definitely a good guy. I haven't seen any, any reason to think that, you know, this, you're going to end up seeing him end up like Craig Titus or something like that and, and end up in prison in the end. So, you know, um, and he's definitely, um, you know, worked his way up. And I like that he doesn't compete in every competition. I think if there was money doing that, I think more guys would. Um, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care about winning a bunch of trophies and, and all that stuff. He's, he's just 
focused in on the, on the Olympia. So that's his strategy. And I, I like it. Um, I definitely like it. It's a strategy. Um, some people may not agree with it, but this is what he chose to do. So we'll get into a steroid stack in a minute. But Mobster, you know, what are your final opinions? What are your predictions for Derek Lunsford over the next few years? What can we expect? I think it's, a, it's just kind of a weird thing in terms of liking him and not liking him because there's certain things you can see about him. Exactly what you just said, Steve. For example, in one of his videos, he talks about having a family over, friends and family over every Sunday, and they sit there and uh, watch church rather than go to church. But nevertheless, it's a, a religious type gathering where they will sit there. He says, sometimes we're a little bit too sociable, but there we are, we're in front of the TV and we, we're there to, to watch. We used to have something over here um, on, on a Sunday evening, and it was quite popular, strangely popular. I know in America it's a bit different if you've got these crazy preachers on the TV and Jesus wants you to send me some money and all that kind of stuff, whatever. But it, it was a it's, a it's a social thing, and he got the family together, stuff like that. Also, on his uh, pre-Olympia videos, on the fact that the day of the Olympia, when he wins the competition, he has the family around him. Mum's there, friends are there. So that aspect is real, real good as well. For some particular reason, I don't like him, and I don't know why that is, because I mean, it's just maybe how he comes across to me. Maybe it's even the Midwest thing. I don't know. Every single time I've been to the States, I've always gotten really well with everybody and competing, and it's been cool, you know, me making an effort, effort to come across the ocean. It's kind of strange. I don't know. Maybe it just reminds me of someone, and I'm not sure what it is. It doesn't quite sit that way with me that I would think he was a cool guy, and I don't, I can't understand. It might just be a personal thing of myself that for whatever reason, there's something about him that doesn't quite sit right with me. I don't know why. Uh, but all the signs are that I'm wrong. Everything that I've just told you guys suggest otherwise. He's hard work and he's working with a great coach. He's got his family around him. He's religious. My only complaint earlier on was that he needs to be busy on YouTube. So what is it? I don't know, Steve. I don't know. Maybe it's just something like you go with what you know and those people that you're a fan of or you idolize are, are like yourself. And maybe I don't feel in tune with, with, with Derek. I don't know what it is about him. Maybe um, he's just too boring. For your it taste. could be. I don't know. No. Maybe as you said, there's nothing, nothing flashy could, about him. Could it be? Yeah, I don't. Maybe yeah. it might be like, say, for example, in bodybuilding, uh, in, in strength training, for that matter, we kind of go with the fantastical stuff. So, for example, we want to see crazy, crazy weights lifted. If you're a strength athlete, we want to see the guys on the beach driving up and down in the hired Ferrari or whatever, in the California stuff, living the lifestyle. And maybe Derek doesn't do that. I don't know. I mean, it's just not, not, not that I'm living the lifestyle or I'm driving up and down a Ferrari on a Californian beach. So what's the problem? I don't know what it is. I just, maybe he's just a little bit goofy and maybe he's too humble. Maybe he needs to be a bit arrogant. Maybe he needs to sort of a little bit more in your face. Maybe that's what I want from him. Maybe I want one of those guys that says, I'm going to get the world record. I'm going to smash, smash the Mr. Olympia 212 competition again and again and again. Maybe that's what I need. When I'm watching videos before I go to the gym, Maybe that's the sort of stuff that I want to watch to G me up, even if I'm watching the sort of lifestyles of Richard Famous before I do some work and that kind of thing, to G me up and get me excited. So in terms of me watching Derek Train, I 100% think that you guys could learn an enormous amount from what he's doing and how he's coached, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe I want some sort of excitement from Derek. Maybe I want him to go out and buy a big sports car or something like that. Maybe I want those signs of success. And maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I really don't, Steve. I've... I'm reading down the list of things that is positive and I'm going, but I still don't like him. I can't quite work it out. It might just be a thing for me. I mean, 
Carly Muscle that we just done the video on, I've got a bunch of things I should complain about. And I did, saying, you know, he's come out of prison, but he's been positive. He does stupid stuff like get, kind of getting into what we would call here in the UK, a two and eight, like he's going to have a fight with people on social media while the camera's there. And yet at the same time, he's a freak. At the same time, he's kind of enjoying his stuff. So it's not necessarily someone that I aspire to, but for some perverse reason, maybe I got into his videos more. So I don't know. It may just be like, and a good example that I've used already, Larry Wills. Larry, if he just posted videos of him working out, it wouldn't work. But when he brings the other athletes in, when he does the collaborations, when he does the arm wrestling, he's, he's done strongman, he's done arm wrestling, he's done bodybuilding, he's, he's done stuff on the beach, he's done stuff in the gym, he goes to different gyms, there's different things going on all the time. And maybe that's what keeps us watching. And maybe that's because we do the pre-show research, we look at a load of videos, we look at articles, Maybe you want that kind of level of excitement to leap out of you. And maybe that's all it is. Let's get into the PED use. Derek's a nice guy. So I don't want to give him too hard of a time. Let's get into what we think he would use in order to help him win the 212 Mr. Olympia State. Yeah, Derek is definitely a huge guy. And he's using every tool in his arsenal to get results. Genetics, training, diet, performance enhancing, drugs. Going to be necessary to compete at that high level. So. We can speculate someone like him would use a cycle like the following to prep for the 212 Mr. Olympia competition be a little different, you know, than what the guys are using at the open competition because the open competition, they don't care how much they weigh. They can, no. they can weigh as much as, as they can weigh 300 pounds and then they'll cut down. So for him staying at the 212 or lower, much more modest cycle. So 600 milligrams a week, testosterone, propionate testosterone, and then stopping it two, three weeks ahead of the competition. So you'd use the short ester version of testosterone. This way it gives you more flexibility. If you're using a long ester, it's going to be in your system for many, many weeks after you come off, six, seven, eight weeks being your system and giving you some water retention, you know, four or five weeks after you, your last injection. So with the propionate, you can stop at two, three weeks that had the competition. It'll be out of your system by the time the competition comes. Got a much shorter half-life. Another one, 600 milligrams a week of trembolone acetate. And then that would be something they could raise it up to 1,000 milligrams ahead of their competition. So trembolone, this is a very, very important steroid for all competitors, whether you're a power lifter, bodybuilder, open competition, 212 category, whatever. But especially in, in, this, in this class, you really, really love the trembolone and if your body reacts to it well um i've seen guys with you know eating crap and they run trembolone and they recomp i mean they add muscle and they cut down on on trembolone hmm. um even with eating crap so you can imagine eating a spot-on diet having his genetics having his perfect diet having his perfect training being coached all this stuff it just used that trembolone just an incredible incredible yes. steroid to use so unlike the testosterone you would raise it going ahead of the competition because it's not going to give you the water retention it's going to help you ahead of your competition so you want it in your system by the time competition comes one other one before i bring in mobster Masteron, 500 milligrams of Masteron propionate. Again, it's a short ester, just like the testosterone propionate, just like the trembolone acetate. Flexibility, 
You want the flexibility. What happens if your masteron is really DECA? What happens if your masteron is really testosterone? Masteron isn't the cheapest steroid. It's hell of a lot cheaper to produce DECA and testosterone than masteron. So what happens if you get the wrong thing? You're screwed, you know? So you would know right away, if you're using masteron propanate, you would know right away, hey, this is either legit or it's not legit. You would know within a week, is it hardening my muscles or is it not hardening my muscles? So that's very, very important. That's one of the reasons why these competitors, they use these short esters, the flexibility, being able to stop something ahead of time. You'll know with the masteron propionate if it's real or not. And then if it is real, you raise it up, raise it up to 1200 milligrams ahead of your competition. It's going to harden you up when you're on stage. It's going to help dry you out when you're on stage. It's going to give you a nice, nice look. So got a lot of respect for Masteron. Um, it's expensive, though. If he's going to run at 1200 milligrams a week, um, it's going to cost you, but it's definitely worth it. What else you got on this, Wompson? Okay, so I, 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 I will address the what we got on the list and maybe touch on a couple of the others as well. There's 120 milligrams of vanavarine, guys. One of the things that you see now that you didn't used to see a few years ago is guys trying to maintain their levels of strength and training, et cetera, right up to the competition, providing there's no injuries or reason not to. And that's a way to keep muscle mass on. Now, obviously, as a 212 comp competitor, whatever he weighs in the offseason doesn't matter. Getting down to that weight matters. But the, the Anavar, for me, for example, is a very good strength drug. And I'm thinking that 120 milligrams of Anavar here, Steve's going to maintain his levels of strength and help keep that muscle on, especially with the combination of drugs that we've already described. Also, we're looking at 100 milligrams of Winstrol here. And this will, these, these will be daily, Steve, not weekly. And like the Masteron, especially when you're dieting down for a competition, this is about competition polish. It's about making your muscles look like they're supposed to when you're on stage and having that competition look. I'll go back before I talk about the last one very quick. Go back to your test prop. I know, for example, guys get swelling with the site injection and not because it's uh, uh, an infected drug, but sometimes just the pain and physical response to the body by the test prop. So that'd be another reason for taking it out of competition, like Steve says, so that you don't have none of those ugly lumps and bumps that you got from taking it earlier in the week. All the inflammation, etc. And you, again, inflammation, especially with something like cesspop, again, you don't, inflammation can quite often cause you to hold water and you don't want that either. So that's another reason. Back onto the last drug here simple, straightforward, fairly easy, and almost a sensible dose, Steve. Five IUs daily of HGH. And again, this is one of those things because he doesn't need to be the size of a house, he doesn't need to be taking 10, 20. 30 IUs, sometimes we've heard crazy numbers up to 40, 50 IUs of, of HGH of growth hormone. There's no suggestion here, for example, of insulin because certain guys respond badly to it and can hold water and not look as good as they thought and so on. So what we're looking at here is essentially, as Steve said right at the beginning, the difference between an open class athlete. I mean, I'm sure Derek has been as heavy as an in condition 220, 230, maybe even 240 but he didn't look like he does when he gets down to 212. And he certainly didn't look like he did until he competed this year and took, the, took it home with a small stomach with those vacuum poses. So the idea that he's taking loads of insulin, loads of loads of growth, it doesn't come to us. We, we're not seeing that. And we're not seeing the bloated stomach in that, that any really any of the top guys in the 212 class 
they're all tight, they're all contained. It's kind of similar to the physique, not the open. So needing to get down to a certain weight, you don't want a bloated stomach. You don't want water retention. Some guys have, for example, problems with water and bloating again when they're on lots of growth. So we think a small dose. And at this level, it's enough with his diet, with everything else that he's doing. And in that time coming up to the Olympia to keep his skin thin and to help with recovery from training, especially if he's doing what I'm saying, which a lot of athletes do now, which is try to maintain that level of strength, trying to maintain the level of muscle going right in to, to keep that muscle. For example, I'm talking about thinking now about something that Dorian Yates said. And again, Dorian was getting injuries so you might not necessarily be the best person in terms of advice, but he said, why would your body keep the muscle if you don't give it any reason to stay? If benching for arguments, say 400 pounds for reps is what made your chest look the way that it does, don't think it's going to stay looking like that by doing 300 pounds for more reps and having the same look, feel, hardness, etc., on stage when you deplete, when you get the body fat down low enough. So, I can see that, the, as I said already, the Anivar will be there for that, the Winstrow in for polish, and HGH helping you stay healthy, keeping that skin thin, etc. And as I said, the, the so, and it's another thing as well, Steve, worth mentioning when it comes to the 212 class, is a little bit like boxing and one of the sports you mentioned earlier on wrestling, and that if the weighing is the day before the actual competition, what you weigh on the scales has to be 212 or under, but what you weigh on stage full of carbs, perhaps with drugs added in because you're not being drug tested, is a different matter entirely. And eight, 10, sometimes more pounds have had. We know guys that do the 212 that come in at 220 on stage the following day. And that's the reason why they look bigger. They're pumped. They're full of, they're full of uh, glycogen. They look, they're feeling good. Their skin stays hopefully thin. They stay lean looking and they get that roundness to the muscle and the shape to the muscle that they want. So again, this is a, this is a manipulation here, guys. This is why you're not looking at grams and grams and grams of gear here. You are looking at adding a little bit here and there. And as Steve said, for example, trend is notorious for side effects. We know that it is. So in terms of sweating it out, but if you can recomp, as we know some people do, and you work out, like I said, Derek probably did early in his career, what works for you in terms of training, what works for you in terms of your nutrition, and you've got a great coach like Hanny on board, then knowing what gets you into shape, steroid-wise, is also a good thing as well. I mean, something we see we see on the forum, Steve, as guys said, I've done this cycle, I want to do something else. And one of my words of advice, one of my quite often I give the same reply, and that is if what worked for you before worked and you look pretty good on it, what makes you think you need to change it? And that's True, whether you're an amateur bodybuilder asking a question on the forum or you're a professional bodybuilder who wants to compete at the Mr. Olympia, you don't have to change doses if a dose works. You don't have to change drugs if a drug works. You don't have to try new stuff just because. It's not like going to the sweet shop and trying all the different sweets that there are. This is drugs going into your body. And if it works and it got you into great shape, great condition, if the diet did and the training did and the PEDs did, then do it again. Maybe you need to diet down a little bit more. Maybe you need to bring your forearms up a little tiny bit. But you don't need to go double up on the dosages. You don't need to try every drug there is in the pharmacy. You don't need to go online and work your way for every single peptide there ever is, Steve. I mean, I'll, I'll ask you the same question here. If this was what worked for him, 
then would you change it if you was advising him or would you say, no, what worked before, let's do that again? You don't need to double up. You don't need to add new drugs in just because. There is an argument about the body sometimes not responding to drugs. What do you think? I think in his situation, he did a lot of trial and error from, from the stuff yeah. I've read about him. So I think, I think he's known you know, what works. I think he just has to keep the base of what's working for him and kind yes. of tweak things from tweak here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And keep an eye on the guys who are coming up behind them and seeing, you know, getting some input on what they're doing. Are they training more hard? Are they training a little less? Are they yeah. maybe using something else? Are they, you know, so kind of keep an eye on that and see what you can tweak from there. So, but he can definitely, you know, he's still young enough where he can definitely tweak some things and it improve yeah. from here. And I think, you know, coaching, Coaching is important at this level. I mean, it's ridiculous. You've got to coach all kinds of things um, from what you need to wear on stage to posing to tanning to this, to peptides, to this, that. I mean, there's so many different factors where you need a coach. So even changing up your coach can make a difference. So, Mobster, your final thoughts and then take us into the disclaimer. So something you've just suggested, Steve, I'm going to touch on this. The photograph that I was referring to where I said he's actually looking like he's gained a bit of muscle and he looks a bit bigger and whatever else. Jay Cutler, Milos Sarsif. Uh, sorry, I'm thinking of someone else. It's not Derek. All right, guys, so Mobster being in Wales, he's got some um, issues with his weather, so we lost his internet, but great show, and we're going to have to keep an eye on Derek Lunsford for sure. Very humble guy. got a lot of respect for him. I had the pleasure of interviewing him with uh, my old podcast host, Trevor Karitson, so you guys can kind of search for that video out there um, in that audio episode. And let's, let's do our disclaimer. Please note we're not doctors and opinion are ours. It's our view and it's based on experience and views on the topic. Our podcasts are for informational purposes and entertainment only. Freedom of speech and First Amendment applies. Have a good one, guys. We'll talk to you next time.